Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Once again, the cream of the crop. We have what it takes to win it. No, Elliot Smith, and he slams the outside retaining wall. Hello, Homestead. This is Kevin Harvick. We feel as though we're right on target to go out there and repeat as champions again. Kyle comes across the line. He wins today, and he's going to Miami. remaining before the championship at Miami and one spot left for five playoff drivers. Based on what we've seen the last few weeks, just about anything can happen this weekend. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody. Carol Amano and Nate Ryan with you. Dale Jarrett joining us live from Phoenix. I got to say, it looks pretty beautiful <laughs> behind you. You get around to golfing earlier. Talk to us about the temperatures out there. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to look hard if you even want to find a cloud anywhere. All week long, I've been out here. Uh, I didn't play golf today, but I played Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, first two days, not so good. Uh, third day, uh, a lot better. I feel like this desert back here, I should be out there looking for my golf ball because Monday and Tuesday, that's where I spend a lot of my time. <laughs> it looks like a green screen almost, Nate, behind yeah. <laughs> DJ right now. Just beautiful. Sort of looks like my time in Connecticut since I arrived here last night. Yeah, we drew the short straws. <laughs> We're hanging out in Connecticut. But let's not waste any more time. Uh, here's the playoff leaderboard heading into Elimination Sunday at Phoenix. So three drivers, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr. know that they are racing for a championship next week. But who will be the fourth? That is our poll question today. Will it be Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, or the defending champion, Jimmy Johnson? You can go to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote. You still have time to make your picks. We're going to bring you the final results a little bit later on in the show. So grab your computer and go ahead and get on there. And voting already underway right now. Looks like Chase Elliott, the fan favorite, and Brad Keselowski right now are the ones that are trending up. But we'll continue to monitor the results for you. Let's start by going through all of these drivers, Nate. And DJ, we'll start with who's in the best shape on points. Brad K plus 19. Is that any reason to feel comfortable given what's on the line this weekend? Yeah, you would really think that that would be pretty comfortable, but I think there's a couple of things. Obviously, uh, the stage racing changes a little bit, but anything can happen here. And when you have four talented drivers like the other four that he is competing against here, uh, it doesn't matter how many points he might accumulate throughout the day. He could win two stages and, and finish second in the race, but if it's one of the other four drivers there that gets them that, that automatic bid by winning this race in Phoenix, then all of that body 
of work was no good. So I think Brad is really in the most difficult position because the others kind of know that winning uh, will cure everything, and certainly it will for Brad too. So, But does he play it cautious a little bit, just trying to accumulate points, or does he just go after the win and, and say, okay, this is the best way and the only way that he knows how to do things? So I think that makes it a little more difficult where someone like Denny Hamlin, who is the closest to him in points, yeah, he can kind of uh, gauge the temperature, if you will, uh, of the day that Brad is having to see exactly what he needs to do. You know, if Brad's running in the top 10 all day or certainly up in the top five, then Denny knows he's going to have to do whatever it takes to go grab a victory uh, to get himself moved on to be part of the championship for at Homestead. And you mentioned stage points, DJ. I think that's going to be what Denny Hamlin and his team are really looking at here at the outset, I think it's, they're going to look for a strong qualifying run. And then I think they're just going to try to gain as many stage points as they can the first two stages and hope that if Brad Keselowski has another situation like he had at Texas, has some problems, his record at Phoenix recently actually isn't as good as Denny Hamlin's. Denny Hamlin has two pulls there. If they can put that kind of pressure on Brad Keselowski and cut that 19-point gap to, say, six or seven or eight points going into that final stage, Carolyn, I think that's the key for Denny Hamlin. Again, this is how stage racing has changed the game. It's, it's, it wasn't like this the last three years at Phoenix, where now that NASCAR essentially is counting points live, like other professional sports do, counting points in race, I think Denny Hamlin has a way to put pressure on Brad Keselowski that didn't exist in the, in the past, and I think the 11 team will try to do that. Is it fair to say that the general consensus right now is that everybody views Brad Keselowski and Denny Hamlin as the top two to emerge from one of those championship spots? Because you look at Ryan Blaney, it seems like he is in a bit of a gray area when it comes to just aiming for a win versus being in decent shape with the points. Do you think that Ryan Blaney can put together the type of flawless weekend that would be required? Yeah, I think you, you hit it there, Carolyn. I, I think he is in a little bit of a gray area, Ryan Blaney. I think it's because of the inexperience on his part and the team's lack of execution. I mean, they've certainly shown at Pocono that they can win, but there have been moments, even during the playoffs, where they haven't always executed. And I think that's why, even though he's only two points behind where uh, Denny Hamlin is in terms of trailing Brad Keselowski, he's in the points uh, pitcher, Carolyn, but I think that it's still uh, probably going to take a win for Ryan Blaney. I think that's the way people are looking at the 21's chances. Yeah, Nate, I think you're exactly right about execution. That might be the key. Can they even execute to the point that they might put this young driver in a position late in the race to do whatever he needs to do? I think that's my other question is this young man uh, at such a young st- or early stage of his career that he's going to be one of the stars of this sport for a long time to come. Is he willing to do whatever it might take in a late race uh couple of lap shootout type situation move whoever it is in front of him to get that win and be a part of the championship battle so I, I think a lot of things are to be answered here but can they compete and and communicate well enough to even get Ryan Blaney in that situation and you know you talk about the young drivers Chase Elliott's another that you look at he's performed just great in these playoffs, but it's got him in a situation because mainly because of what happened at Martinsville uh, late in the race there. He put himself in a position to win and move on, but is this young driver in a position and, and willing to, to do the kind of things that maybe happen to him and, and capitalize on that late in the race? So uh, I think that's what's going to make this weekend so interesting to see exactly what we can expect in, in the future from these young guys. Yeah, DJ, I think not just uh, Chase Elliott being a regular contender during the playoffs, but if you look back at the most recent race that he had at Phoenix, he actually led 106 laps, nearly a third of the race, 
in the race back in March there at Phoenix. So I, I think that again shows why when you look beyond Brad Kozlowski and Denny Hamlin and talk about which drivers have the best opportunity for a win here, I think Chase Elliott really goes to the top of the list. Again, not just because of how he's been running in the playoffs. I think that certainly he has had a chance to win most of these races. But I think also when you look back at how he did in uh, Phoenix in March, I, I think he could be a real contender Sunday. Well, Chase Elliott and Jimmy Johnson strategy seemingly is pretty simple. They need to go for that win. But based on what you're saying and based on what we've seen all throughout the playoffs from Chase Elliott, I don't know that we have at times given him the credit that he is due for the way that that car has performed because they have been seemingly singularly focused on getting that first career cup win. Is it too far out of the realm to say that Chase Elliott could show up in Phoenix and get this win? He, I mean, he could. I, th- that would certainly be the storyline that I think NASCAR wants to see most of all <laughs> is to have Chase Elliott do that, DJ. And, you know, I, you mentioned there that I think we're waiting for that Chase Elliott moment to arrive. We certainly saw hints of it at Martinsville. But I think if he were to win at Phoenix, that would certainly put to rest, like, the discussion of when is Chase Elliott going to arrive, certainly. DJ, yeah, I think certainly our fans have shown that that's who they want is Chase Elliott, really. I mean, if there's a driver, one of those five, you know, nothing against the other four, but it seems to be that that's who they kind of would like to see in there battling for that. Yeah, his name has something to do with it, but I think a lot of it's what Nate just talked about is how well he's performed in the playoffs. And uh, it's just amazing to see that and think that his first win – uh, of his career might be the one that uh, makes him eligible for a championship. Then. Yeah, you already see the uh, fan vote on NBCSports.com slash vote for our poll question today. Chase Elliott is right <laughs> up there at the top. But with Jimmy Johnson, DJ, um, sorry for cutting you off earlier, with, with Jimmy Johnson, I know you're out there early and the weekend is really just beginning. When do you think we're going to get an idea of what the 48 could potentially be bringing to the table this weekend, or is it, is it really just, you know, way far out and left a win and that's it? Yeah, is it kind of crazy that, that I'm thinking that how we left the seven-time champion to the last person of these five <laughs> that we're talking about having a chance? But that's just, you know, that's the way that they performed, that, that you kind of, it's not that he's an afterthought, but to answer your question, I think that tomorrow afternoon, that in that first practice session, see the speed that they have, and then certainly going on into qualifying. Because, you know, I'm sorry, if you if you haven't found that speed again, that's a tough place to, to go and try to, to work your way through traffic. And at some point in time, you're going to be back in traffic and have to make passes. And if you don't have speed to, to make that happen, then you really are going to have a hard time finding a way to get that win that, that Jimmy Johnson and this team's going to need. But I will say this, he's a seven-time champion for a reason. He's found a way through all different types of scenarios to make sure that he's part of the championship battle whenever we get to Homestead, Miami. And it would not surprise me in the very least to see Jimmy Johnson figure out some way uh, to Sunday afternoon finding his way battling for the lead here at the end of this race. Yeah, you definitely count him out at your own peril here, DJ. I mean, clearly he has shown, even at Phoenix, I mean, he has four wins at Phoenix International Raceway, but the most recent was eight years ago. So there's not a lot really to go on there. He's, he's run well in the past there. He hasn't really shown anything during the playoffs. I will say, Carolyn, that I found it amusing that this week he went to the Country, country Music Awards with his wife. Yeah. So I don't really think he's feeling the pressure of advancing to Miami. I think that's indicative of the fact that he's seven-time champion. He's been through this before. And I think DJ's right. I think they could pull a rabbit out of the hat, but... All indications for the first eight races have been it's it hasn't been there. If they do, we will have to really <laughs> put that into context over some of the incredible things that Jimmy Johnson has done because I'm sure that would rank DJ May agree at the very, very top of the list if they can if they can pull something like this off.
Um, all right, we are going to take a quick break. Love him or hate him, Brad Kozlowski does have a passion for racing. He's right up in the mix this weekend. But coming up, we're going to show another side of Brad that may set you on the path to fandom. Plus, Kyle Busch is already booked into the championship four, but find out why he thinks he is an underdog in all of this. And we're going to open up the NASCAR vault and show you the top five moments at Phoenix. All that and more today on NASCAR America. When NASCAR is done, Sunday night is football night. Tom Brady and the Patriots heading to Denver to face Von Miller and the Broncos defense on Sunday night football. Mike Tirico and Dan Patrick host football night in America at 7 Eastern only on NBC. So much on the line. You want pressure, Rick? This is pressure. Eight drivers will move on to start the round of eight. Martin Truex Jr. is going to win the first race of the playoffs. Kyle Busch will win. Yes, Nothing is automatic in the playoffs. Kevin Harvick, he has won at Texas Motor Speedway. Drama at a peak level. Well, the championship four is nearly complete. Three spots have been secured with the last one to be awarded Sunday at Phoenix. Five drivers will duke it out in the desert to grab that last ticket. But Kyle Busch is already preparing for Miami. And Marty Snyder spoke with the 2015 champion who is fighting to regain his crown. Well, Kyle Busch, one of three drivers who gets to sort of, I guess, relax this weekend at Phoenix Hill. So take me you know, behind the team and behind the curtain a little bit. What's the mentality been since you clinch? Has it been sort of, hey, we're in, so it's not as much pressure, or is it we want to keep going and build momentum? Well, you definitely want to keep going and keep building momentum and keep your focus on what a championship needs to be, and that's to be making sure that you're eliminating your mistakes and um, making sure that you're on top of your game, if you will, and cleaning up some of those areas that you can to fine-tune your game. And, uh, you know, we go to Texas trying to make sure that we're doing all that stuff. And before the race even starts, we have a flat tire, you know. So um, you definitely have to have luck on your side in this game as well, too. And that obviously goes a long way. And so we just kind of felt like that uh, that Martinsville win was a lot sweeter, you know, with having our struggles that we had at Texas. So um, feels really good to have that victory to be to knowing that we're going to Homestead and and uh, and racing for a championship, but there's you you can't you can't go to the luck bank and buy that. So you just got to make sure that uh, you're ready for anything, as they say. Clearly, you and Adam have had to talk about Texas. You've had to talk about Phoenix. But how much of your conversation time has been about Miami and just focusing on that one race? Yeah, I mean, each and every week we're still focusing on what that week is and what that week entails. But there has still been blurbs of Homestead. You know, if we weren't in Homestead right now, we wouldn't be worried about it because we're not there yet. You know, but um, since we are there. There has been some talk and some things that we've been doing about Homestead, but it's still been focused on what this week is because you can't just turn your switch off and go the next two weeks and float around and dangle in the field and whatever, and then all of a sudden be thinking that you're going to be a championship winner at Homestead. So you got to keep your focus the entire time. Is going back to Texas, Kevin Harvick, the one guy that everybody gets in, they go, oh, man, I wish he was not in the Final Four with me. Well, he was – He was. so the, the Final Four – is all my final four guys besides one? Wait, the guys you picked or what? Yeah, like if I was going to choose it, the, okay. the the ones I chose, it was it was me, the seventy eight, okay. the four, and the forty two. 
Unfortunately, the 42 had his bad round and was eliminated early. So really, my, my final seat is, is up and open. And it's for any of those five guys to take. We'd love to challenge any of those guys when it comes to Homestead. So, um, you know, my three of my four are, are correct. You know, obviously, I missed out on that other one with Larson. But he would have been the toughest one, probably, most likely going to Homestead. Was this prognosticator, Kyle, coming up with those four? Or what is that just what you thought would be in the final four or what? No, it was just the, the most realistic, just the, the top four guys that have been competing each and every week throughout the season-long performance of what they've been given. So, um, you know, I think it's been fun to see some of those uh, those younger guys come on up and, and challenge, like the Chase Elliott's and the Ryan Blaney's, to still be in there having a shot. Now they've got to go win and you're in type thing in this weekend in Phoenix. And we all know how tough Harvick's been at that place over the last few years. So uh, we'll see what happens. So when you look at the guys who are in the are in the championship for us so far, the three of you, only one team tested, and it's Martin Truex Jr.'s team. Denny Hamlin tested for your team. The four team had the opportunity, said they did not want to test there. Where do you fall on the on the mindset of it's good to go test Miami or maybe not so good to go test at that racetrack? Yeah, I find it kind of ironic. You know, uh, the, the 78 didn't want to go test there a couple of years ago because they didn't like testing there because it kind of throws you off, if you will. And then, um, you know, Harvick did test there a couple of years ago. And then this year, they have the 78s mentality. We don't want to go there and test. We don't want it to throw us off our game. So it's uh, it's kind of weird, you know. So uh, I just look at it as though we we didn't have the opportunity to. We divvied out our tests early, and, and Denny was the one that was chosen to go do that one. So we'll just look at the 78s notes, the 11s notes, and see what we can do as far as what we need to look at and what we need to concentrate on. The 19 was obviously really fast there last year with Carl, had the best car, should have, should have, could have, would have won the championship and the and the and the race. And um, so we, we've got uh, a lot of good things going for us when we get to Homestead. So when you look at the three that are in, is there one that's that, you know, you say, oh, we're going to have to beat him at Miami? Or do you say, hey, we're the, we're the best car out of the group? I honestly think a lot of the NASCAR nation, the community, has kind of looked at the 78 as being the best of the best. But a lot of people I've heard commenting about how strong the four car has been since the playoffs have started, which they're right. And uh, we've kind of been, I think, moved to kind of third fiddle, if you will. So, um, you know, bad. No, we're a little bit of the underdog. That's good. <laughs> I felt the same way back in 2015 when we won the deal. We went in there as, as we shouldn't even be there, you know. So we took the opportunity to go out there and show everybody what we're made of. And we can do the same thing this time. You did a good job putting your analyst hat on, by the way. So you, you looked at everything very objective. Uh, I'm, I'm wide open, man. I'm, I'm taking it all in. So uh, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of hearsay, and I'm thinking about a lot of our stuff and putting it all together. How about that? Kyle thinks maybe they're the underdog. I don't think it's a good idea to bet against the 18, though. <laughs> Marty, thank you. DJ, third fiddle. You buying that at all? <laughs> Not any whatsoever. <laughs> I'll guarantee you that the guys that make the odds in Las Vegas won't be thinking Kyle Busch is an underdog at, at Homestead, Miami either. So, uh, I, But I do appreciate the way that he's looking at it, and I know a lot of fans look at it. It's a mile-and-a-half racetrack. Why, is Martin, why wouldn't Martin Truex Jr. be the favorite there? Harvick has performed extremely well, but so has Kyle Busch. He's been – Kyle Busch has really been good all year. And for some uh, – aside for some uh, problems that they had, some bad calls maybe uh, early in the year, some flat tires, things like that, they would have more wins than they actually have. But, yeah, no no way he's going to, to Homestead Miami next week and be considered an underdog whatsoever. So that's what kind of what struck me. The other thing, Nate, that struck me, that as he talked about who that fourth driver may be, his teammate Denny Hamlin wasn't on his mind. <laughs> I was thinking that Brad Keselowski wasn't on his mind, but neither Denny nor Brad. We knew, we knew Brad wouldn't have been, but I think DJ's right. Denny Hamlin was probably conspicuously absent in this case. If you do look at the history, I, I think there is a case to be made here for Kyle Busch to say he's the underdog. He's only got two top fives at Miami. Kevin Harvick actually has eight, and he actually hasn't finished outside the top ten, Carolyn, at that track in ten years. So 
purely off history, I think you could make the case for Harvick, but I think DJ's right. I mean, based off the way Kyle Busch has run this year, I would have him as 1A behind Truex. Yeah, he seems confident and relaxed, and that is the gift that comes with getting a win in this round before Miami. Some other news for you today. On Wednesday, Stuart Haas Racing making it official, introducing Eric Amarola, the driver of the number 10 Smithfield Ford for next season. Team co-owner Tony Stewart was on hand, and he had this to say about the newest addition to the Stuart Haas stable. I'm excited about it. I mean, Eric and I have been good friends for a long time. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned in, in the press conference, I mean, I remember the race in Milwaukee that he dominated and, and didn't get a chance to finish it. So we know he has the talent to, to go out and run up front. And, um, you know, I'm just excited that we finally have the opportunity to get him at SHR with us. He's a little bit different profile-wise than all the other drivers we've had at SHR. I mean, we're, we're typically the uh, alpha male and female types that uh, are a little bit edgy. And, and Eric really doesn't fit that mold but at the same time uh, he's a lot calmer demeanor wise but at the same time the drive he has the same drive that we expect out of everybody at SHR he wants to win he, he'll put in the work and um, you know I think the results will come because of that. Almirola has a little bit of time to acclimate himself to the new group with his new ride in the offseason. Danica Patrick currently without one for 2018. She's just one of several notable drivers without a confirmed seat next year. And among the others, Matt Kenseth, who recently announced that he is stepping away from NASCAR as well as Kurt Busch. Brad Kozlowski is locked in for next year. Coming up, we're going to show you why he is a champion both on and off the track. Welcome back, everybody. Two years ago, the Comcast Community Champion of the Year Award was created to bring attention to some of NASCAR's most charitable efforts. And the award supports the good things that the NASCAR community is doing through both public recognition and also donations provided by Comcast the affiliated charities of the top three finalists. And here is who they are for this year. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you have likely seen us take a closer look at the Chip Ganassi Racing Pit Crew Department as they work to support local charities in the Charlotte region. And we also saw how Jimmy Johnson and his wife, Chandra, lead the Jimmy Johnson Foundation, which focuses on providing grants towards public education. Now we move on to the very last finalist. Brad Kozlowski's Checkered Flag Foundation honors, supports, and helps the recovery of military veterans through various efforts around the country. I did consider joining the, uh, the armed forces. It was always a, a thought on the back of my mind that if I didn't make it as a race car driver that I could never have a normal job. Well, I certainly look at the military and, and the, the men and women that serve as extraordinary. I had the opportunity to drive a car sponsored by the Navy. And as part of that partnership, went to this hospital out in San Diego called uh, Balboa, it's a Navy hospital. And there was this mom with her son, and her son had uh, lost, uh, I believe, both his legs and one arm. It looked like he was probably still in a coma or coming in and out. I think at the moment she was trying to help change his bandages, and the bandages were, you know, bright, bright red, where you could tell he was, you know, still fighting for his life. I believe in the mission that these people have to serve others. To see somebody that's willing to put their life on the line to, to save you despite of your own flaws and others despite of their own flaws. I just think that's an amazing quality to have 
And so when somebody with that quality, um, you know, is facing such a traumatic and difficult time in their life, it stinks. Fisher House is one of those foundations that I'm proud to be associated with because they leave a real mark with every dollar they spend. My grandfather and my uncle and my dad, I saw their uniforms hanging in the closet at a young age and being heroes to me, I think, was just because they were willing to put the uniform on. I became a full-time National Guardsman. I ran the armory here in Statesville for a little bit, and then we got the alert for deployment to Iraq. We did pretty much everything that the regular Army was doing. We were attached to the regular Army. On our way back into our base, we um, ran over two anti-tank landmines, which were buried in the gravel on the side of the road. My legs were actually kind of trapped underneath the Humvee. A lot of wondering, where are my guys? What's going on? A lot of confusion. There was a point where I thought I might not make it. The pain sometimes being so intense that, you know, I just pass out. I didn't really care that he was burned or he lost his leg. I was just so glad that he was, you know, alive and coming home. I think I didn't know where she was a lot of the time. I didn't know where she was staying. It didn't really become a thought until we were starting to run out of money. The Fisher House was really our lifeline because it enabled me to, to leave the hospital and visit my kids for a little bit, knowing they were safe at no cost to us. Without the Fisher House, we wouldn't be where we are today. And an understanding of how important thing to, for a family to go through together for the process of healing. When I heard that Fisher House was looking to build a house in Michigan, I wanted to know what I could do to help. So we've created a number of fundraisers and we'll probably continue to do so until that facility is built. It's made possible by the generous donations of everyone in this room. We focus on grants and with Careers for Veterans. And then we've uh, engaged a number of camps that uh, create getaway experiences for families. The race wins and the championships are great. But I don't know if that's a fair measurement of success. Part of the responsibility for you know being who I am and having the privileges I, I do have is to give back. And so I think a foundation is an opportunity to show that you care and, and instill hope. see what the Checker Flag Foundation means to Brad Keselowski. He and Jimmy Johnson and these Chip Ganassi pit crew members who go out and do this very important and meaningful work don't do it just to show up. And you know that, Nate, because you've been to a handful of events with Brad Keselowski's foundation, and you can see the emotion from Brad Keselowski that we don't always get to see. Yes, Carolyn, I've watched him interact with wounded veterans. I think you could hear it in that piece, both you could see the emotion in his eyes, but you could hear it in his voice as well. This is about more than just altruism for Brad Keselowski. He has said that if he wasn't driving race cars for a living, he would have enlisted in the armed services. He wanted to serve if he wasn't a professional race car driver. And I think that when he meets with these wounded veterans from the conflicts in Afghanistan and in Iraq, 
he feels a bit of compunction on his part because he knows if he wasn't driving race cars, that could have been him because he would have been fighting alongside some of those people. So I feel like this is his way, certainly, of giving back and also showing that, you know, there's a much deeper, deeper appreciation for what they do from his part, because I think he relates to the reasons that they chose uh, to put country first and to go serve. Yeah, his, his organization does so much for those that are so worthy, and Jimmy Johnson does as well, and the Chip Ganassi pit crew members as well. It's a very hard decision, um, but it's great, great work in the NASCAR community. Coming up, we are going to relive some of the best moments of NASCAR racing in the Valley of the Sun. Plus, Parker's going to hop into the iRacing simulator to show us the challenges that drivers are going to be facing this weekend at Phoenix. Stay with us. Well, this weekend, live from Phoenix, it's the final showdown before the championship. The Xfinity Series race is Saturday at 3.30 Eastern over on NBC, and the Monster Energy Cup Series is Sunday at 2.30 Eastern, also on NBC. Now let's look back at one of the top moments of the season from Phoenix earlier this year, brought to you by Coca-Cola. Off turn four, hello, Newman. Ryan Newman wins for Richard Silver Tracy. Hell of a job, at Ryan Newman. This has been the longest drought that I've ever been in. It's a hard-fought battle, hard-fought four years. Taking home the checkered flag, Ryan Newman is today's Sunoco fueling victory. And Ryan Newman is one of four active drivers with multiple career wins at Phoenix International Raceway, along with Jimmy Johnson and Dale Earnhardt Jr. On top of the list is Kevin Harvick with eight. And for more on Phoenix and the challenges that the track presents, Parker Kligerman hopped into our NBCSN iRacing Simulator. So we're here at Phoenix International Raceway coming into turn three, information for restart. And I want to start here because I think this is one of the few instances all year as a playoff driver that you're going to have to race more defensively than offensively. So as we come to the green flag here, we're going to go up through the gears, up to fourth gear on the front stretch. The outside lane did not get a good restart. A lot of times what you see here down into turn one is congestion. You'll end up where the cars get just compacted, almost like an accordion effect, and you have to avoid that. Then you also have this option of the dogleg shortcut, where you can fly the inside of cars and maybe protect your race car by not letting them get to the inside of you, because if you are that outside race car, you're leaving yourself vulnerable for a car to slide up into your left side door, which can end your race and end your championship hopes. From there, this racetrack becomes tricky because you have many instances where you find yourself wanting to pass a car in front or having a car trying to pass you where it puts you in a precarious position. As we have right here, you go off to turn three, you're forced to the outside lane by another car. You don't want to be out here. There's not as much banking, there's not as much grip, and now you're fighting for the grip and the, the drive off the corner compared to that other car. It just continually puts you in positions as a race car driver you don't want to be in. And even when you're on the offensive, trying to make a pass as I'm doing right here, and you shoot down this shortcut. One, you don't want to do it too abrupt because you can hurt the side skirts or the splitter of the race car. And two, you find yourself having to rejoin the racetrack again, which means your spotter's gonna have to clear you in the right position. It's all these things that really add up to putting these playoff drivers in a position where they're gonna have to be, at times, more defensive than offensive because it's the only way you may survive racing against other cars that are not racing for a championship, that don't have as much to lose. And therefore, as a playoff driver, you want to avoid those pitfalls that may 
become apparent here at Phoenix. And DJ Parker is on his way to Phoenix right now to join you for the weekend. But let's continue to talk about the track. How do you think the redesign that happened back in 2011 has affected the level of difficulty here? Yeah, Carolyn, it's really changed a lot of things. And Parker gave a great explanation there as he was taking us around the different options that you have as a driver here now. You know, before the, the redesign or that they did here, the most difficult parts of this racetrack was the exit of turn two because you literally drive straight out to the wall, which you still do, and then the entrance to turn three, which is very flat, and the car tends to really want to get loose and then slide up in the center of the corner. But with the redesign, they added another element, and there was that dog leg on the backstretch that uh, added something different for the drivers to look at. And now they literally use that apron. They make the racetrack somewhat shorter, carrying a lot of speed. Parker talked about having to do it and not be too abrupt with it because you could damage the splitter. Uh, there's just so many things that can happen there. Uh, along with the fact he talked about if you get down there and even if you drive into turn three and you've made a pass, then you have to slow down so much because you basically don't have a good angle going into turn three. You have to turn the wheel more. You have to be careful not getting run over from behind. So it gave more options, but it also made this racetrack even more difficult, especially on these restarts. That's going to be some of the most interesting and fascinating racing that we'll see all Sunday afternoon is through that dogleg part of this track now. There's so much on the line, and those restarts make it so much fun for fans to watch. But we know the drivers are not the only ones with plenty of work to do this weekend. Let's go ahead and reveal this week's nominees for the Pit Crew All-Stars. First up is Team Penske gas man and Arizona native Kellen Mills. Prior to his career in racing, Mills played defensive end for Arizona State. Then he went on a two-year mission for the Church of Latter-day Saints. And Penske credits Mills for a relentless work ethic and a positive spirit. Next up is the 78 team front tire changer and Marine veteran Chris Taylor. After next week's race at Miami, Taylor is going to end his 13-year NASCAR career. He's returning to his hometown of Missouri to be a teacher and to coach track, and it would certainly be nice to go out as a champ. Lastly, Rafael Diaz works as both a tire changer and fabricator at Roush Fenway Racing. Diaz holds the distinction of being the first driver diversity graduate that was part of a winning pit crew at the Cup Series level. So once again, this week's nominees, Kellen Mills, Chris Taylor, Rafael Diaz, and don't forget, we're going to announce this year's pit crew all-star team during championship weekend next week at Miami. So to come, we unveil another one of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s eight greatest moments. On this Throwback Thursday, we are flashing back to Jr.'s rookie season and a star-making performance under the bright lights of Charlotte Motor Speedway. Do you know which one? That's straight ahead. Welcome back, everybody. In the 2015 playoff race at Phoenix, a sequence of pit stops put Dylan Hart Jr. out in front. Then the rains came, forcing NASCAR to call the race 93 laps shy of its scheduled distance. Earnhardt was declared the winner. And as it turns out, this is Jr.'s most recent and perhaps final win of his cup career. Jr. has graciously put together the eight greatest moments of his career. And today's moment takes us back to the 2000 All-Star Race at Charlotte. Our Dale Jarrett was leading the race. But then with two laps to go, another Dale stole the show. Dale Earnhardt Jr. coming up through the pack in a hurry with four brand new tires on the car. Earnhardt Jr. is closing fast. He's about three car lengths off the rear deck of Dale Sr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. grips high in turn number four. There's nothing left on the checker. Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins the 2000 running of the Winston. And now here's the big man himself, Dale Sr. Giving the hug to his son. What a great moment. I couldn't believe it. I thought 
Thought I could get up there and give Jarrett some trouble and look in the mirror and hear this thing come. We didn't come here to run third. We come here to take all the money. That's why I like Tony and them guys. Man, they gutsy as hell. And uh, we beat them boys. They had older tires. It's a shame, but uh, they should have pitted too. I mean, they had opportunities just like we did. Oh, DJ, you all right, big guy? That was a tough oh, one. Yeah. That was a tough one. Yeah, especially a race that I never won. That's the bad thing. So, uh, yeah, it was probably my best chance. And there were three Dales in that race with an opportunity to win. And wouldn't you know it, the youngest one of the bunch uh, had it all and put it all together late. They said he went and got those four tires and just couldn't hold him off. But, you know, what a great moment. Glad I could be a part of his eight moments here. <laughs> well, you were able to best Dale Sr. a couple times at the Daytona 500, so you have that. But in this all-star race, Jr. just having none of it. And from what I understand, it was your brother Glenn that interviewed him in victory lane, right? Yeah, this was all set up. It was going to be perfect. It was going to be a Jarrett victory lane. But uh, Dale Jr. had other thoughts about all that. And, yeah, I think that just showed us early on the, the amount of talent and, and the driving style that he had. I mean, he came up through and, and passed, you know, not saying myself was some of the best, but his dad and others. I mean, he went by us on the outside, inside, wherever he needed to catch us and pass us. So, you know, it was a great win for him and I think set him off on a tremendous career. And it's a real special moment for him, DJ, I think because of what you just mentioned, that he passed his father, Carolyn, as part of this win. And Dale Jr. has said, has talked wistfully about the fact that his father lingered in victory lane for about 45 minutes after that race, which was highly unusual. This was a man who always had other places to be, other places to go, and he could tell that this win really meant a lot to his old man. Yeah, his dad looks so happy in that video. That was then. This is now a Junior's Xfinity Series team. Junior Motorsports currently occupying the top three spots in the Xfinity Series playoff leaderboard, excuse me, entering Saturday's elimination race at Phoenix. Elliot Sadler, William Byron, Justin Allgaier, all in pretty good shape to make it to Miami, and then Brennan Poole currently holding the final spot by just five points over Matt Tift. So, DJ, when you look at Junior Motorsports, seemingly in pretty good shape here, but what must they do this weekend? Yeah, I think, Carolyn, it's imperative that they do the things that have gotten them to this point. You know, they put a solid body of work together, these three drivers will have so far. Yeah, certainly, uh, you look at William Byron and Justin Allgaier, who have race wins this year. Elliott Sadler doesn't have that to this point, but he's maybe saving his for the best uh, and the last at Homestead to where that would make him the eventual champion of this. But I think Saturday afternoon is about don't give this away. You've worked hard to get yourself in this position. Be solid in those first two stages and you might have yourself in a position that all you have to do is really then go get uh, a top 10 finish, and you're going to be assured uh, of getting through and being part of the championship four. So I think these four drivers, you know, certainly Sadler is the most experienced. I'm sure that he'll talk to Justin Allgaier and William Byron about what their plan is as a company. Uh, just go be solid as you've been all year. Don't make a mistake and give away what you've worked hard for. Okay, Nate, so DJ says just business as usual, keep your head down, stay focused. We're waiting for these playoff drivers to win these races, which would make it so much better. But is there in the field this weekend a spoiler in your mind? I think there could be. And we were talking about Dale Jr. I think if you look at the guy who's taking over his number 88 ride next year, Alex Bowman is in this race. He's, he won his last Xfinity start. That was at Charlotte Motor Speedway last month. He is a Tucson native, so this is pretty much his home track in Phoenix. And... The race a year ago, he started on the pole in Dale Jr.'s car, and he led 194 laps. 
nearly got the win. So I, I think Alex Bowman certainly is going to be somebody to watch for, especially in that, that Ganassi car on Saturday. It could fit into this playoff narrative so far. That is Saturday. As for Sunday, do not forget to let us know your pick in today's poll question. Which driver will make it to the championship four? There is one spot left. Go to NBCSports.com backslash vote. Final results coming up shortly in just a couple minutes. So grab your computer and let us know what you're thinking. And let's see who's got the... Actually, it's pretty even across the middle right now. Brad Kozlowski, though, 42%. So keep voting if you haven't voted, and we'll bring you the final results when we come back. Coming up next, we went through hours of footage, and we narrowed it down to our top five moments from Phoenix, including a controversial move, a Cup Series first, and an all-out melee. Top five Phoenix moments coming your way when we come back. It's going to be one hot weekend in Phoenix with the Cardinals hosting the Seahawks when Thursday night football returns to NBC. Big NFC West matchup on Thursday night football. Something about this matchup. Those games are really tight with these guys. Over the top. Wide open. It's Richardson. Whoa. I'm excited to see this. Good time to play. And then the last races before the championship for both the Xfinity and NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series live from Phoenix. Five playoff drivers face one of the biggest races of their careers at Phoenix as they try to join Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr. in the championship. Wow, Phoenix is the place to be. Kristen nailed it. It is a huge weekend in Phoenix. We are starting a few days early. Thursday Night Football on NBC. Tonight, Adrian Peterson and the Cardinals hosting Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. That is Can't Miss TV. NBC, also your home for Elimination Weekend in NASCAR. So here's the schedule, just in case you want to start writing some stuff down. Saturday, Championship 4 in the Xfinity Series going to be set. Our coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern. And then on Sunday, we'll find out who will take the last remaining spot in the Monster Energy Series Championship 4. Our coverage starts at 1.30 p.m. Eastern with NASCAR America. All right, let's take a look at our top five Phoenix moments. DJ, number five here, we start with the 2016 spring race. Closest finish ever at Phoenix. Kevin Harvick winning by the slimmest of margins over Carl Edwards. Yeah, just incredible racing at the end of this. Uh, one that got tired, the other one hadn't, so just trying to hold off. This is the type of short track racing that I'm talking about that you just don't know what's going to happen until the last lap here this number weekend. Number four, 2007, Jeff Gordon scoring win number 76, tying Dale Earnhardt and on the all-time wins list. And there's a great story behind this number three flag, Carolyn, that was made by his tire specialist after his 75th victory, which had occurred nine months earlier. He held on to it until that night in Phoenix. Moment number three, Alan Kulwicki, first career victory in the Cup Series. We know what happened next. I wanted to do something special and never be another first win, and I just wanted to give them something to remember me by. The Polish victory lap, number two, Nate, 2014, a classic. Ryan Newman doing what he has to do against Kyle Larson in order to advance to Homestead. Harvick won the race in advance as well. Yeah, this one came up a lot, Carolyn, a couple weeks ago after Martinsville. I think this is the incident everybody referred to after Denny Hamlin took out Chase Elliott going for the lead. There were two laps to go. I think this was the first time under this playoff structure that we saw epics come into play in racing. <laughs> number one, DJ, 2012, Jeff Gordon and Clint Boyer's season-long feud coming to a head at Phoenix. Yeah, another uh, just short track racing, but these two found themselves around each other a lot this season. You can see a couple of instant. Then Clint Boyer went looking for Jeff Gordon. The pit crews got involved. Huge fight down in the garage area here. So a lot of things happened. Be interesting to see those tempers flare here this weekend. Clint Boyer had to be restrained from going inside there and getting a hold of Jeff Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> I really 
really want tempers to flare this weekend. I wish we could do a poll question about that. We need the drama, DJ. You think we're going to get a little bit of drama this weekend? Yeah, I think if we had that poll question, it'd be about 99.5% uh, <laughs> that 0.5% that say, no, yes, that would want that. And I think, yes, because of what this racetrack is and the way that it's designed, again, it's a mile long, but it races like a short track. These guys are going to be in close proximity of each other all the time. And when you have five drivers pretty much understanding what they need to do and get out there with at least three of them knowing that they probably have to go win this race to have a chance to move on, I think that anything could possibly happen. And then does that mean that we're going to see Tempers player? Yeah, it, it, you know, it's just a couple of weeks ago. Don't forget what happened at Martinsville. And even though this is a little more high speed, the exact same type of situation, it could come down to someone like what Ryan Newman did, knocking someone out of the way for that top spot and, and grabbing that fourth spot to be a part of the championship four. So, so far in today's poll question, which driver is going to make the championship for? I have to say this is a little bit more even, Nate, okay. than I thought it was going to be. Now the numbers, well, they're kind of fluctuating. Yeah, I guess. I they guess are. The point. People but, are just grabbing their computers and voting at a <laughs> rapid pace here. Brad Kozlowski, though, with what seems to be hovering around 40%. Right. And Chase Elliott, who is proclaimed lastly the people's champion yeah. by Eddie's, Eddie Gossage. I thought for sure he would be the runaway, runaway leader. I thought he'd have a majority of the vote, but... He's kind of just hanging in there trying to pass Brad Kislowski. How did you think the people were going to vote, DJ, on this poll question? Did you think Brad was going to get the, the lion's share of this? Well, I, you know, I actually thought that race fans, you know, a lot of times if we have Dale Jr. in something, whether he has a chance or not, they'll vote him. I thought that Chase may gather a lot of that here, too. But he's performed so well that they're showing that there's still support there for Chase Elliott to go win this race, get that first win. But I really think ob the obvious choice here is Brad. Uh, yes, he's in. He's the one that really controls everything as far as points go. You know, if it just comes down to a point situation, he is certainly in the best shape. But as we've seen over the years, anything can happen. So this is going to be a tough race to monitor for Brad Keselowski, but I think he is the logical choice here. Let's finalize the poll. Brad Keselowski, yep, definitely the winner here. But Nate, based on what we were talking about earlier, Ryan Blaney with 23% in the final vote, 9% for Denny Hamlin. So Blaney getting the edge over the driver that we, seemingly we has a better the shot. People's champion vote, apparently, because... Chase Elliott came up behind Ryan yeah, Blaney. Yeah, but that thing was fluctuating so fast. You just don't know. Although Ryan Blaney, I think, is a pretty popular pick. Yeah. But this doesn't surprise you at all. Brad Kozlowski, he's got to go out and get it done. And Denny Hamlin, yeah. sadly for Denny, no surprise that he comes <laughs> up in last. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> there's a lot of Chase Elliott fans at NASCAR yes. these days, and we'll see if there's any retaliation this weekend at Phoenix. I would be pumped if there was. <laughs> DJ, thank you so much. Get inside. Yeah. Wear some sunscreen this weekend. Enjoy <laughs> the links and the racing as well. That's going to do it for today's edition of NASCAR America. Our coverage from Phoenix starts tomorrow at 1245 Eastern with Cup Series practice. That one's right here on NBCSN. Don't forget, Thursday Night Football over on NBC, Cardinals and Seahawks. We'll see you there. Thanks for watching. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.